Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, I'm happy to announce that winter is over and spring has begun. In my mind, once, once I'm through February, winter is over. I don't care. This little bit of snow out there, that's just winter trying to make a last stand. Spring is coming. It's going to be warmer this week. So, um, it's been a great winter. I think I only had to shovel one time. Yeah, so, hey, I can, I can handle winters like that. Sorry, Andrew. Where's Andrew? Is Andrew here? Andrew, sorry about lack of snow this winter. I know you're in mourning. <laughs> well, this morning's message is called Three Soldiers of God, and we will be in Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 17. And uh, a story is told of two inseparable friends who enlisted together trained together, shipped out together, and fought in the trenches during World War II, or World War I together. And during an attack, one of these two best friends was critically wounded in a field filled with barbed wire obstacles. And because of that, because of all the barbed wire, could not crawl back to his foxhole. And the entire area was under enemy fire. It was suicidal to try to go and reach him. Nevertheless, undaunted, his friend decided to give it a go. And before he could get out of his own trench, his sergeant yanked him back and told him, You're mad! It's far too late! You can't do him any good and you'll only end up getting yourself killed. And a few minutes later, the officer turned his back and instantly, his mate went after his friend. And shortly afterwards, he staggered back, mortally wounded with his friend now dead in his arms. And the sergeant was both angry and deeply moved. And what a waste, he blurted out. He's dead and you're dying. It just wasn't worth it. And with almost his last breath, the dying soldier said, oh, yes it was. For when I got to him, the only thing he said was, I knew you would come, Jim. And the lesson is that Jim was there for his friend, whatever the cost. That, that story just affected me. I knew you would come, Jim. Jim was there for his friend, whatever the cost. And in today's passage, the Apostle Paul commends two men who were like this. And also, Paul was like this as well. There were two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, who were there for Paul and there for the Philippians, whatever the cost. And God had saved these men. 
One thing I don't want to forget as we look at this passage is that these men were the way they were because Jesus Christ had apprehended them and transformed them and changed their lives. They weren't just like this naturally. They had been changed by the grace and the love and the power of Jesus Christ. And these three men, Paul and these other two men, poured out their lives for others. And I believe the Lord wants to use His Word this morning and He wants to use their example to stir us to pour out our lives for others. So let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that the Creator of the universe and the One who saved us from our sins, who paid for the sins of the world, the One who created the angels, the One who created the galaxies, thank You that You would speak to us by Your Word and reveal Your power and Your will for our lives. And so Lord, I pray that You would just do this. You would change me and change us by the power of Your Word and by the power of Your Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus and more like Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus. Lord, please do a powerful work in us through Your Word. And thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. So first of all, let's look at Paul. He's writing this letter. He's sharing his heart with the Philippian church. And he says in verse 17, chapter 2, Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon your faith, upon the offering of your faith, Paul poured himself out for others. This word in the Greek for poured out means make a libation or a liquid offering poured out to symbolize total surrender. Just to pour out this liquid offering. It's, it's, it's totally giving your whole life. It's like pouring out your life blood for others. So this isn't just a small sacrifice. This is, he's saying, I'm willing to die for you Philippians. And he says, if I do this, it's because of what he referred to earlier in Philippians. Earlier in chapter 2, he says, verse 5, have this mind among yourselves. Let this be your mindset. Think this way. Which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself. He poured Himself out, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul is saying, this is what Jesus did for me. This is what Jesus did for us. And so I'm, I've been changed by Jesus. I want to pour myself out for you and for others. 
And so he says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. In other words, what Paul is saying is, I'm willing to be poured out if it will strengthen your faith. The offering that you make of your faith to God, I am willing to be poured out if that will make your faith stronger. And so he says, and I'd be glad to do that in a minute. We'll see this. But there's so many ways we can pour ourselves out for the sake of one another's faith. It can be as simple as, as having devotions with your family. You know, that's, that can be really challenging. I've shared in the past how when my kids were little, we'd have challenges and I'd be, I'd be trying to read the Bible and they'd be falling asleep or they'd be laying down. And I, I, my, my favorite story is I was reading uh, a Bible passage one morning and our dog Bella comes into the middle of the room and starts to get ready to go to the bathroom right, right in the middle of the floor while we're having devotions. And I said, Bella, no, Bella. And I took my Bible and threw it at the dog. <laughs> that's, that's probably my kid's best memory of our family devotions. Yeah, remember when Dad threw the Bible at the dog? You know, we may feel like all, all my efforts, what, what good do they do? You know, we pour ourselves out for others, and, and we may not see the fruit right away, but, but we, we do that for one another's faith. It might be, it might be what these folks are going to do to travel to another country. They're pouring themselves out for the sake of the faith of these people in Uganda. It could be... Uh, what a number of people in our church do, they go over to St. Andrew's personal care home uh, Sunday evening once a month and they sing songs and share a message with the people in St. Andrew's. That's pouring yourself out for the sake of others. And I've done that a few times and it's hard to see if they're getting anything out of it. But we, we just want to keep doing this. It's like you may, you may teach a class in Kids Cove and, and I... I tell you what, I think the Kids Cove teachers are going to have rewards in heaven. I can't wait to see them because of how, what a pouring out that is for the sake of those kids' faith. And you may not see the results right away, but I believe it's going to have an effect on them. And so all these different ways we pour ourselves out. And Paul says he's glad to do this. He says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. I am glad, he says, if I suffer and die. Because he really is talking about possibly dying when he pours out his life. Um, he says, I'm glad even if I die, if you grow stronger in your faith. It's worth it. Oh man, this just challenges me. Just if I focused on nothing but this, it would be enough. But yet, Paul gives two examples of other men who are pouring out their lives. And the first one is Timothy. Now, Paul had met Timothy. It's recorded in Acts chapter 16, near the beginning of his second missionary journey. And at the time, Timothy might have been a teenager. Because even 15 years later, he was referred to as a young man. So, so you young men and young women, don't think that this is just a message for grown-ups. 
This young man, Timothy, poured out his life. And you, young men and young women, you can pour out your lives for others. And so, Timothy was probably a young man. It would appear that his father was not a believer, but his mother and grandmother possibly got converted under Paul's ministry, but they were believers. And through the influence of his mother and grandmother, Timothy was saved and was apparently a very mature young man. And Paul took him on as a disciple. And for years, Timothy served under Paul. And so when Paul was in prison, and he's writing Philippians from prison, most likely a Roman prison, although we're not 100% certain, Timothy would bring back news to Paul in prison from Philippi, from the Philippians. And so Paul was going back and forth from this Roman prison where Paul was to Philippi. He'd bring back news to Paul how they were doing. And Timothy was genuinely concerned for the Philippians. And so Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Wow, what, what a commendation. I have no one like Timothy who is genuinely concerned for your welfare. See, Timothy wasn't in it for the money, obviously. Timothy wasn't in it for fame. Timothy wasn't in it even necessarily for his own satisfaction or pleasure. He had a deep concern for the Philippians. Nowadays, many Christians feel like they don't really need to be part of a church. I mean, I've, I've seen it times. I've seen things people say that they just don't really need to be, they don't feel like I need to be involved in a church. I can get as much out of reading the Bible on my own or whatever. I don't need to be a part of a church. But being part of a church involves being genuinely concerned for the welfare of others. I mean, sure, you can... You can sit at home and watch a, a preacher on TV and you could get a lot, I'm sure, out of the Word of God. But if you're not involved with others, how are you going to have a genuine concern and express that? Remember the story I shared at the beginning? What a waste! He's dead. You're dying. It just wasn't worth it. Oh, yes, it was. For when I got to him, the only thing he said was, I knew you would come, Jim. The lesson is that Jim was there for his friend, whatever the cost. See, Timothy had a genuine concern for Paul, obviously, and for the Philippians. And he sought the interests of Christ. Verse 21, Paul says, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So, as Timothy sought the interests of Christ, that involved being genuinely concerned for Christ's people. 
Others, Paul says, others are seeking their own interests. Others in ministry, maybe. Others, he says, are, are, they're seeking financial gain. Maybe they're seeking the admiration of others. Maybe they're seeking a reputation. They're trying to get well-known, whatever. Timothy didn't do that. He sought the interests of Christ. It's so easy and so tempting to focus on our own interests. Isn't it? I mean, there's just so many things in the world, so many demands, so many uh, entertaining things, so many, so many ways that I know I am. It's just so easy to be tempted to just think about ourselves, focus on our own situation. I mean, I got enough challenges of my own. <laughs> you know, we, we could think, I, I got plenty going on. I don't have time to be thinking about other people. One person told me, once uh, when he and his wife first came to our church, his wife said it didn't seem like people were making any effort to meet them or say hi to them. So the husband said, well, let's make it our aim to intentionally try to meet people every week. And the husband told me that made a huge difference. Rather than focusing on we're, nobody's reaching out to us. It was like, no, our aim is we're going to try to meet somebody new every week. You know, as our church grows, it, it, it probably will get more challenging because there's new people and there's people you don't know everybody. And, um, you know, people have actually said something to the effect like, I miss the days when our church was small and we all knew each other and could look out for each other. And Well, that's one of the reasons we have fellowship groups. If, you, if you're new here, we have groups called fellowship groups in which we encourage uh, members and people who are just interested in the church to come to a fellowship group and get to know others. And it's an opportunity in these small groups to share our lives and take a genuine interest and concern for one another, but, you know, we're going to have, uh, it's just going to be challenging. I mean, it's even, even having fellowship groups doesn't guarantee that we're going to be looking to the interests of others, because we could go to a fellowship group and say, well, nobody's asking me how I'm doing. Nobody's taking an interest in me. Well, I want to encourage all of us, and I try to do this. When I'm on my way to fellowship group and I'm driving in my car, I will pray, I'll say often, Lord Jesus, please help me to take an interest in others tonight. Please help me, use me somehow to encourage others. And, and if we have that mentality, you know, if we're not going to fellowship group thinking, what are, what are people going to do for me? If our attitude is, what can I do for others? That'll just make our fellowship group so much stronger. And it'll, be, it'll actually bring greater blessing into your life. Because when you look to the interests of others, we reap what we sow. And others will look to your interests. But it's so tempting, and I know how it is, to just focus on ourselves. You know, our natural tendency is to be self-focused. Brian, can you project that image? Here's our natural tendency. As a matter of fact, the world does revolve around me. That, that's, the way we're, that's, that's the way we're born with our, in our sinful nature. It's all about me. 
And when Jesus Christ invades our lives and apprehends us and saves us and changes us, He begins to make us more like Him. And our, our whole mindset changes. First of all, the universe revolves around Jesus and then around others. We want to focus, we want to be like Jesus and pour out ourselves for others. Now, I want to tell you something, though. When you pour yourself out for others, they may not always appreciate that. They may not always thank you. You may serve somebody, you may serve your guts out trying to help somebody, and they may not thank you. But here's what I want you to remind you of. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You know, Jesus said on Judgment Day, God's going to separate people into two groups. And he, says, and he says the one group, I was sick, I was in prison, I was suffering, and you came to see me. And he says, those people say, Lord, when did, when did we do that? When, when did we come to visit you when you were sick or in prison? And Jesus is going to say, anytime you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you were doing it to me. And so, if our attitude is, Lord, I want to pour out myself for others, we're pouring ourselves out, we're doing it to Jesus. And it doesn't matter if someone thanks us or not, or appreciates us or not. And so that's, that's another thing I have to pray because I am so self-centered in my natural self. I have to say if I'm going to go do something, Lord Jesus, help me to do this as unto You. Help me to remember I'm doing this as unto You. I'm serving You, Lord. Help that to be my focus, whether they appreciate it or not. It's not always easy, but if we pray that, He'll help us. And Timothy served Paul for years with humility. And he says in verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Timothy's proven worth was he lived his life pouring himself out for others. He wasn't trying to promote himself he wasn't saying, okay, Paul, I can take it from here. I don't need you anymore. No, he says, as a son with a father, he's served with me in the gospel faithfully, day after day. Genuine concern for believers and churches. Now, I know that Sandy Sherba is not going to want me to do this. But this affected me, Sandy, so I'm sorry if I was talking with Sandy recently and I asked her how she got saved. And she said, I got saved when I was five years old listening to Billy Graham. And she said, I was, God really genuinely saved me. And she said, also at age five, God gave me a love for elderly people. And so from, from when I was a child, I loved to just hang out and be with and encourage and help elderly people. 
And she said, all through my life, I have, I've just loved serving elderly people. And so she has served for years and years and years. And even as I was talking with her, she had either just been or she was just getting ready to go next door to care for an elderly neighbor. And, and Sandy, I had to share that because it just so affected me. I just thought, here's, I would never have known that. I see, see Sandy every Sunday morning say hi to her. I would never have known that since she was five years old, she's been serving elderly people. And that's because the Lord changed her. She's been pouring herself out, just like Timothy. Once a man interviewed Billy Graham, and he was fascinated by Billy Graham's success and asked if he anticipated being given great rewards in heaven for the millions of lives he had impacted through his worldwide ministry. And Billy Graham said that he was not sure of the extent of his own rewards. He says God is the final judge. But he was certain that others would have greater rewards than he. And he went on to say that there is a faithful elderly woman whom he knows who is right now on her knees praying for her little country church and her family and her nation. For nearly 80 years, the sweet lady has been faithful to her Lord. She has been constantly praying and reading the Bible daily. And to Billy Graham, that lady and many others like her will receive the greatest rewards in heaven. Don't even know her name. 80 years. Isn't it going to be great when we get to heaven and we see Jesus pouring out rewards on people like that lady. And at the, at the close of the interview, Billy Graham said, you see, we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. Now we come to the third soldier, Epaphroditus. He says in verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. My brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul describes Epaphroditus as my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, and minister to my need. He was, he was a messenger from Philippi, the church, to sent on a mission to help Paul because in Paul's day, prisoners, in pri pri those in prison were not cared for by the state, but their necessities for life, mainly food, especially food, had to be supplied by friends and relatives. So Epaphroditus and the church at Philippi were bringing food to Paul and supplying his needs. Bringing money to Paul. Now, Epaphroditus, one man said, he's a layman whom we never 
would have heard of were it not for Paul's brief reference here. He never served in a public capacity. He did not shepherd a flock. He did not take the gospel to an unreached area. He did not receive special revelation. He didn't even write anything. All he did was deliver a bag of money to Paul and then look after him. Yet he's called brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, messenger, and minister. So we must understand that to serve in some unnoticed, unrecognized place in the body of Christ is as much the work of Christ as is public ministry. So here's, here he is. All he's doing is bringing supplies to Paul. And he risks his life. He gets sick doing it. And so Paul said, I thought it's necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to my need, for he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. He risked his life to serve Paul. Back in those days, they, they didn't have the benefits of modern medicine. And he got so sick in his travels that he nearly died. But this is the incredible thing. When the Philippians heard he was sick, he was more concerned about them than himself. He's nearly dying, yet he's more concerned because they're distressed that they heard he was sick. I, I love that. I want to be like that. He poured out his life for others. He loved the church. He loved Paul and risked his life to bring him supplies. He loved his church so much that he was distressed when they heard he was dying <laughs> or nearly dying. So, so the bottom line, very simple message. By the grace of God, by the power of Jesus Christ, not in our own strength, let us pour ourselves out for others. And if you're hearing this and have never called upon Jesus Christ, I urge you to do that. He will transform your life. And, and there is no more satisfying life than to pour ourselves out for others. So let us pour ourselves out like Paul who was willing to pour out his life blood for the sake of the faith of the Philippians. Let us pour out ourselves like Timothy who was genuinely concerned for the church and served faithfully for years, never trying to promote himself. Let us pour ourselves out like Epaphroditus who risked his life for others and was more concerned for others than himself. And again, from the opening story, the lesson is that Jim was there for his friend, whatever the cost. May, may God do this in our church. And it's happening. It's happening. But may God do it more and more and more. May we be a church known for pouring out our lives for Jesus, serving others. So let's stand and let's pray.
Well, Lord, we, we see this and we just know that we could not do this in our own strength, Lord. We don't have this within us. But Jesus, thank you that you can change us and have changed us. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to pour out our lives in ways that we couldn't do in and of ourselves. And we ask you, Lord, to do this more and more and more in us. We ask you to make us a church of servants more and more. And we just thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the ways that you have done this. Just increase it more and more in our lives. And we just ask as our church grows, Lord, that there would not be one single person that would feel that no one has cared for their soul. And Lord, that we would all have the attitude of, I want to look out for others. And I just pray that you would do this. And we thank you, Lord. We believe that you will do this because it's your will. And so we thank you. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.